So the Pittsburgh Penguins in their final game of the season on Saturday defeated the Buffalo Sabres 1-0 after their last three games before that were 7-2, 7-3, and 8-4. Although the thing is with the 1-0 victory is Penguins goaltender Maxime Legacé, who has been on the taxi squad and in the AHL all year, and has also he hasn't started a game in the NHL since February first, twenty nineteen, with the loss with the Vegas Golden Knights. And in his first game starting as a Penguin, he had a shutout against Buffalo, but it's still a shutout. Um, the Penguins shut out Buffalo more than any team shut out a team this year. Um, Casey DeSmith had two shutouts against them, and like I say, had that one. Jari may or may not have had a shutout against Buffalo as well. With that win, that helped the Penguins end up clinching the Mass Mutual East Division. And they'll play the fourth seed on home ice in the first round. Although we'll get to the NHL playoffs later. You're listening to the Dylan Farley Podcast, Episode 7. It is Monday, May 10th. And right now it's almost 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, So just... Just so you know, in case something hasn't happened yet that's worth talking about, it'll be in the next episode. Um, but yeah, so we have a good episode today. Um, we're going to talk about the Medina Spirit, the winning horse of the Kentucky Derby, why it may lose its title, um, more on the NHL playoffs, um, and we also have an expansion draft simulation that I did before I did this episode for the NHL's 32nd team, the Seattle Kraken, this offseason. Um, on paper, they look better than Vegas would have looked on paper in 2017. Um, although, you'll have to judge that for yourself when we have that, so stick around for all of it. Um, we have a sponsor again. I think we've finally gotten over the stigma of the... Pocket incident. Don't really want to talk about that. I might just end up cutting that out. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, a great um, sponsor uh, company that you all know. So that's pretty exciting. We're going to get into it here today. And we're going to start with our deep thought of the day from Jack Candy. Right here. guess of all my uncles, I liked Uncle Caveman the best. We called him Uncle Caveman because he lived in a cave, and because sometimes he'd eat one of us. Later on, we found out he was a bear. That's the deep thought of the day right there, and that brings us to, of course, our final Jeopardy of the day, and this is a difficult one. I hope you're into um, old music. 60s, 70s kind of stuff. I don't even like 60s, 70s. I like 80s, early 90s stuff. You know. But, yeah, Final Jeopardy. Classic albums is the category. Welcome back to Final Jeopardy. The category, classic albums. The clue, the title of this huge hit 1977 album was the idea of the bass player who specified it should be spelled the British way. You have 30 seconds. Good luck.
start with our returning champion, Hannah Howard. You had $7,800. What was your response? Oh, nothing. What was your wager? $7,000. That takes you down to $800. Let's go next to Jamie Logan. You have $16,200. Your response? What is rumors? That is correct. By Fleetwood Mac. Band was part American, part British. What was your wager? $16,000. That takes you to $32,200. Elliot, you were ahead with $16,800. Did you get rumors as well? You did. Did you wager enough to take the lead? No, you didn't. $928. That takes you to a grand total of $17,728. Which means that Jamie is our new Jeopardy! champion. $32,200. And thanks to all three of you and your great gameplay, Jeopardy! will be matching your total winnings of $35,200 and donating them to the Media Fellowship House in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, an organization that promotes understanding and acceptance of all people. Thank you. Jeopardy! Um... But yeah, the answer was Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Great album was their first big one. There was a documentary on Fleetwood Mac I watched part of with my dad. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. Watch it sometime if you're bored and have time. Um, but yeah, we mentioned the Medina Spirit. The horse that won the Kentucky Derby. Um, turns out it failed a drug test. And um, we'll have to wait and see what happens if its title is taken away or not. Um, The trainer, Bob Baffert, um, pretty famous uh, horse trainer, he said that it will run its Preakness despite cancel culture. So Bob Baffert blaming cancel culture for this failed drug test. I don't know if he thinks that's all political or something. I guess that's what he's saying. I don't know. I don't know much about this. Maybe this guy's a conservative and people don't like him. Maybe that's why he thinks that. I don't really know. I mean, if you mention mention something about cancel cancel culture, you probably are conservative. It's one thing I don't like throwing around is cancel culture. I mean, when Dr. Seuss books got canceled, everybody called it cancel culture. Nobody worships Dr. Seuss. It's not really a culture, but, you know, it got canceled. That's a better way of putting it. Saturday Night Live made a little crack about that in their cold open. Saturday Night, a beautiful opening for Mother's Day. Miley Cyrus singing. All the Saturday Night Live actors had their moms on the on the show with them. Um, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. Elon Musk hosting. Of course, our math teacher would love that. And um, it was a great episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, I watch almost all of them. And I really like that one. So make sure you find a way to watch that if you can. Uh, I think the Global TV app would actually have last week's Saturday Night Live. Um, and if you go to their Instagram page, you'll be able to watch each individual skit from Saturday Night Live. It's not all blended together, but it's all there. So you can go watch that if you want. Even Miley Cyrus singing during the show, her two songs that she did. Um which I didn't like those. I don't like the opening because it was for Mother's Day and whatever. I don't really like Miley Cyrus that much. But yeah, go check that out. It's pretty interesting. And that'll bring us into the NHL. Um, but yeah, so 
almost every playoff spot has been guaranteed, except for the fourth seed in the Canadian division. The Montreal Canadiens, they could clinch that spot with a win tonight against Edmonton or Wednesday against Edmonton. Either one, if they, even if they get a single point, like an overtime loss, they clinch that spot. The only chance that they don't make the playoffs is that they lose both games to Edmonton in regulation. And Calgary, if Calgary, Calgary and Vancouver could both catch Montreal. So if Calgary were the team to catch Montreal, Montreal would have to lose both games in regulation against Edmonton. And Calgary would have to win their last four games. And Vancouver would have to win their last eight games, all of them, and have the Montreal Canadiens lose both games in regulation Edmonton. Although, actually, I don't even... Sorry, Vancouver is not in the running for that because they don't have enough regulation wins to get the tiebreak on Montreal. So it's actually just Calgary that could catch Montreal. So the Flames, whether they like it or not, are really going to be rooting for their Albertan enemies, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, staying on the Scotia North Division, Edmonton and Winnipeg. They are both guaranteed to have Edmonton at 2 and Winnipeg at 3. And Toronto has clinched... The Scotia North Division, they have two more games. Um, who knows if they'll play their star players or not. We'll have to wait and see. They've clinched the division. No, they've clinched that first seed. So, I'll have to just wait and see what they do when it comes game times. Um, now, we're going to go down to the U.S. and start out West. So, um, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota... And St. Louis, they have all clinched the four playoff spots in the West Division. Um, Colorado could still clinch the division. If Vegas, Vegas has to win, how many of these? That would put Colorado 82. So Vegas would have to get three points in their last two games. And Colorado would have to win all three of their last games. Or Colorado could win two of them, and Vegas would have to knock out a single point. So, really, Colorado's two points behind Vegas. Colorado has three games left. Vegas has two games left. And Colorado has the tiebreaker on Vegas. So, you do the math there, because I just tried explaining it, and I didn't do it well. The Discover Central Division, the Carolina Hurricanes, have clinched this division. Um, Detroit and Columbus, they've played all their games for the year. All the other teams in the division, they have one game left, each of them. Um, so yeah, Carolina's clinched the division, then Florida, Tampa Bay, and Nashville have all clinched together three spots in that division. So Dallas, after losing in the Stanley Cup final last year to Tampa Bay, they will not be in the playoffs this year. Um, but yeah, so... Tampa Bay could still pass Florida. Nashville is guaranteed the fourth spot, and Carolina is guaranteed the first spot. But Tampa's two points behind Florida. So if Florida lost their last game in regulation, and Tampa won. It uh, doesn't matter whether or not it's in regulation. Tampa will get the second spot. So that's really just who will get home ice in the Battle of Florida in the first round. And the Mass Mutual East Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins Division Champs. What? Yeah, that happened after the Washington Capitals won an overtime against Philadelphia, which gave the Penguins the tiebreaker on Washington in the regulation wins category. So Washington ended up winning the game, but to get the tiebreaker on Pittsburgh, they would have had to win that game in regulation. 
And they'd have to win tomorrow night against Boston in regulation. Then they would have had the same amount of points as Pittsburgh, 77, and they would have had the tiebreaker, but now they won't. Um, since Pittsburgh has a tiebreaker in the regulation and overtime win column, they will be tied to the regulation win column now. Um, so Boston will have that third seed. They are guaranteed the third spot or fourth spot. So Pittsburgh and Washington have both clinched home ice. The thing is, is the Islanders, they have one game left. The Bruins have two games left. Now, the Bruins and Islanders, they play each other tonight. So that's a really big game for Pittsburgh and Washington because they're finding out who they will each play in the first round, essentially, because if the Islanders win against the Bruins in regulation then the Bruins have to get a point against Washington tomorrow night to get the third seed. If the Islanders, if the Bruins beat the Islanders tonight, the Bruins get the third seed, Islanders get the fourth seed, which I'm really hoping is happening because the Penguins can beat the Islanders. They beat the Islanders six out of eight times this year, and the Islanders are a struggling team right now, as they have been for the past almost month, really. And, um, well, not since the trade deadline, but maybe the past three weeks or so, I'd say. Um, but yeah, Boston has it out for Pittsburgh. Boston won five of the eight meetings against the Penguins in the regular season. Um, so yeah, I don't want to be say I'm scared of Boston, but I kind of am as a Penguin fan. So, you know, let's hope they don't lose. Whatever. Sorry. Hope Boston wins because I want Boston to the third seed and see what they can do against Washington because I have more confidence in Washington beating Boston than Pittsburgh beating Boston. And if Washington beats Boston and Pittsburgh beats the Islanders, which I think they absolutely could, then Pittsburgh would play Washington in the second round. And we've seen how that's gone in the past. 2016, the Penguins and Caps played in the second round. Pittsburgh won, won the cup. 2017, Pittsburgh-Washington played in the second round. Pittsburgh won, won the cup. 2018, Pittsburgh-Washington played in the second round. Washington won and won the cup. So when Pittsburgh and Washington play each other in the playoffs, that's really whoever wins going to win the cup, essentially. I don't know. I've just found that since it happened three years in a row. But, you know. It also happened, Pittsburgh beat Washington in the second round, one of the years that the Penguins won the Cup in the 90s, 91 or 92. Um, but yeah, I was going to do a draft lottery simulator for this. Although, the thing is, is I chose to do a Seattle expansion draft instead, and we don't have time to literally list off two things in the same episode, when we also want to talk about some other things. So, that's the uh, playoff scenarios for you there. Um... So yeah, tonight's games, there's quite a few of them. Jersey plays Philly, Edmonton plays Montreal, Islanders play Boston, and Tampa and Florida play at 7. Sorry, so that's a lot easier then, because I said Florida have to lose. So if Tampa wins that game in regulation, Tampa passes Florida. If Florida gets a single point in that game against Tampa, they'll fall, They'll get the second seed. So that's really a do-or-die game for both of those teams. Um, on Sports and NBC, you can watch Boston and the Islanders. And you can watch Edmonton, Montreal on TSN 2, RDS, or Sportsnet. Vancouver, Winnipeg on 8 o'clock on TSN 3. Carolina, Nashville on at 8 o'clock. Dallas, Chicago on at 8 o'clock. Um, still looking at these games here. St. Louis and Los Angeles also play tonight. 
at 10 o'clock, and Colorado Vegas play at 10 o'clock. Then there's only two games tomorrow night. And Colorado Vegas will be on Sportsnet tonight at 10 o'clock. That's a big game because if Vegas wins that, that really helps because Colorado would still have the tiebreaker if they win. Oh, no, sorry. So, yeah, Vegas wins. They clinch the division. So that's a big game as well for the Golden Knights and for the Avalanche because the Avalanche are the only team that could catch Vegas. Um, so keep an eye on all those things. Check the standings in the morning. And uh, we'll try to keep you as updated as we can. For the NHL awards, um, it's really, it, those are some fun things to watch. Right now, the Hart Trophy race, it's all over the map. I Ultimately, you could say it's going to be this guy, this guy, this guy. He's had such a great season, but he has too, and he's meant this much to his team. But Connor McDavid, in 53 games, got 100 points. In Edmonton's last three games, if McDavid, by chance, got 12 points in their last three games, he would end up averaging two points per game at the end of the season. Which, that's amazing. Nobody's done that. Wayne Gretzky is the only guy who's ever had two points per game um, in a season. He had 2.01 overall in his career as well. I know Lemieux's had, I don't know, I think he's had a, I'll have to look that up. I'll get back to you on the next episode. Remind me somehow. Um, but yeah, so the Hart Trophy, I think it's going to end up going to McDavid. Matthews will get the Rocket Richard, it's looking like, for most goals. Um, Art Ross Trophy will go to McDavid for most points. Um, the Selkie Trophy, most defensive forward. I'm not sure who will get that this year. Crosby should get it. He always should, but he never does. He doesn't always should. Sometimes guys deserve more than him. But last year, he definitely should have gotten it. This year, he's a big candidate for it. And he's not going to be a nomination this year, and he wasn't a nomination last year. I think the league's just a bit salty that the Penguins got Lemieux, and then when he was on his way out and the Penguins were headed for badness again, then Crosby came along and stopped them from that and got them three more championships. So I think that really pisses off the league, and they don't like Crosby for that reason, even though he is the reason for so many hockey fans that the NHL's got. I mean, when you say to somebody in your class at school or something or at your work, uh, name a hockey player that you know that's in the NHL right now, they'll probably say Sidney Crosby. I mean, if you just said name a hockey player, they'd probably say Wayne Gretzky, but they could also say Sidney Crosby in that case. I mean, they're probably the two most popular hockey players that anybody who doesn't follow hockey would know. Like, when I think of basketball, I think of Michael Jordan and LeBron James, kind of. And that's like thinking of Gretzky and Crosby. Like, the technically the greatest of all time. Gretzky is that for hockey. Michael Jordan is that for basketball, though. Gretzky's debatable. Michael Jordan's not. Whatever you want to say about Kobe Bryant, just because he's dead, he should be the best, which he was not. Um, I don't even know basketball, and I know that Michael Jordan was the best. And you can say, well, that doesn't make sense. You're just contradicting yourself. I'm not. Michael Jordan was the best. Everybody truly knows that. You might not have watched him. You might just see LeBron today or have seen Kobe a few years ago, and you say, well, he looks good. He must be the best. But Michael Jordan's the best. hate to break it to you because he could also play baseball. Do you imagine LeBron James playing another sport? I'd be laughing my head off. So Michael Jordan was a better athlete and a better basketball player for that matter. Um, but yeah, so Michael Jordan's the GOAT. We've settled that. 
that's just for basketball, okay? There are other, you know what I mean. I'm I'm elaborating too much on this. Um, for the Norris Trophy best defenseman, Victor Hedman or Adam Fox? Between the two of them, it'll probably be Victor Hedman. He had a great start to the season. He's slowed down a little bit lately. He's still putting up great numbers for a defenseman. I don't know. Penguins fans are saying Chris Letang should get it. It's pathetic that nobody's talking about him, but he's had a great year on the Penguins blue line. The problem is, though, is Hedman and Fox have also had a great year, especially Adam Fox, considering, I mean, he's been pretty much a nobody up until last season. I mean, he started his career at Calgary. He was kind of a throw-in to the Dougie Hamilton-Noah Hannafin deal. It sent Hannafin to Calgary and Hamilton, and Hamilton to Carolina. He was just kind of a throw-in that Calgary sent to Carolina for nothing. Then Carolina traded him to the Rangers for hardly anything. Um, but yeah, so the Rangers ended up with Adam Fox. I'm sure Calgary's looking back on that with regret, and Carolina even more regret. Although Carolina, well, Carolina needed him. That's the reason Carolina traded Hayden Fleury, was to get a right-handed defenseman, because that's the gap they had in the lineup. And that could have been Adam Fox. Do you imagine how good that would have been for a filler? That would have been pretty sweet, if you ask me. Um... Yeah, Norris Trophy, I'd have to say Victor Hedman. Ted Lindsay Award, it'll probably, that's nominated the players vote on who they think the best player was so it's pretty much a heart trophy but based on the players not the nhl writers association or whoever votes on that i think mcdavid will have to also get that maybe matthews or somebody i don't know maybe patrick kane patrick kane he's also for me he's been in the heart trophy race all year he's had a spectacular year considering he's playing with debrinkit and nobody else pretty much in chicago i mean chicago is not in the greatest of states right now um, considering they have hardly anybody on their team. And Kurashev was doing good at the start of the year as a young guy. He's not really doing anything much anymore. I, I, he might be hurt, actually. Don't quote me on that. I'm not really sure, but the only reason I think he's hurt is because I literally have not seen his name in the stats in a long time. Um, they had a guy, they've had guys like Pius Suter show up this year. He's had a big year, young guy. With Taves out for the year, Seabrook retiring. He was old anyway. They lost Crawford. So their starting goalie this year was a rookie, Kevin Lankinen, and he's done great this year. They've really put things together considering they didn't have much, especially Patrick Kane getting the points he's gotten with the players he plays with. I think it's amazing what he did. McDavid has Drysaddle to play with. And when he doesn't have Drysaddle, he has Nugent Hopkins. Kane has DeBrincat and nobody else to play with. When you have Pius Suter playing with you for half the season as a rookie, I mean, he's good, but he's not, like, Drysaddle. And neither is DeBrincat. You put DeBrincat and Suter together, it's nowhere close to McDavid playing with Drysaddle. Kane put up amazing numbers this year. I think he deserves a heart, but we all know McDavid will get it just for putting up 100 points, which is also amazing. Vesna Trophy, it'll 95% be Vasilevsky. Tampa's had a couple of gaps this year with Kucherov missing the entire season. Stamkos went out a while back. They've had point lead in the team. They have Barbelay on the first line. They have guys like Ross Colton getting into the lineup. And Vasilevsky has definitely held them in a lot of games this year. He's going to be the top goaltender this year, I think. Um... So the NHL awards ceremony, I'm not sure where it is, but the latest possible date for the cup to be awarded is late July. So maybe it'll be early August. Maybe that's around when free agency will start and training camps open back up in September. So it's going to be a short off season, which is fun for all hockey fans. Um, Aaron Rodgers trade rumors. You've probably heard those everywhere and you don't really care. There's not really been any rumors to any teams. It's the same. It's been the entire time. There's nothing really to update you on considering 
uh, from what we talked about last time with Landon Lewis. Um, but Wayne Gretzky, will he make a return to the sports media? Or no, wait. He was never on sports media. Will he join sports media for the first time, not returning? Well, with NHL coverage coming to ESPN and Turner Sports, there is a bidding war taking place for Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky is the most dominant player in the history of hockey, arguably. And, I mean, ESPN was reportedly willing to go up to $2 million a year to hire Gretzky to work on their network for when they're covering NHL games. However, that will not be enough because Gretzky is reportedly expected to get $5 million per season with Turner Sports. And that would be the likely landing spot with him being on games that are aired on TNT and TBS in the United States, not for you guys in Canada. Although, a lot of these games that are Turner Sports carries are supposed to be on HBO Max. So if you're subscribed to that, that's great. You'll probably get them. If you're subscribed to Hulu, I think you're supposed to get a lot of the hockey games that'll be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. So if you're subscribed to one of those, you're going to have some free coverage to hockey games. And for that reason, your monthly payments are going to be going up a couple bucks, sounds like, if you're going to also be getting hockey games along with the stuff you already get on those things, which I don't think is very much. But yeah, so Wayne Gretzky could be on sports media television, and a lot of people would like that. So there you go. And the moment you've probably all been waiting for is my simulation of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft. And what made it so difficult, I was just trying to pick the best player from every team and try to fill in the gaps at the end when I got towards later teams. But that didn't work because when I first did that, the salary cap hit was $96 million. And the max cap hit you're allowed is $81.5 million. So that didn't work out so well. So I had to go over it. I had to take a couple guys out of there. Although I still ended up with a pretty good team. So, let's start with the goaltenders because they're quickest. From the Vancouver Canucks, Vancouver has Holtby and Demko. And Demko was signed a lot longer for less money. So, who does Seattle select? Braden Holtby. Who does Seattle select from Dallas? Anton Kudobin, since they have to protect Ben Bishop, who it seems is always hurt. And from Florida, for a good third guy that would end up being in the AHL, since Florida really had nothing else to offer, Chris Drieger. I like those. I like that goaltending squad. That's pretty solid. And they could also make a couple moves. Drieger's a UFA. That's the thing this offseason. So they'd have to pick him, then re-sign him right away. They could end up taking Mackenzie Wieger from Florida because he's had a great year. But from what I did, they'd have 12 defensemen already. So that's a bit much. All NHL caliber guys mostly, except for two maybe. Um, but yeah, so we'll go to defensemen now. Um, 12 of them from the San Jose Sharks, Brent Burns. And you're wondering what? Well, that's, you should be wondering what. But the thing is, though, is San Jose is a team who has enough to protect to protect seven forwards and three defensemen instead of just eight skaters. So they would only be protecting three defensemen. I don't think they want the $8 million that 36-year-old Brent Burns carries when he doesn't even do that much. And Eric Carlson and Mark Edward Vlasic, they both have no-move clauses, so you have to automatically protect them, and that counts as two guys right there. 
So then you have Radim Samek. That's who I protected because he's a good up-and-coming defenseman. And I'd rather have him on a rebuilding team than Brent Burns. Sure, it sucks to let him go for nothing. Maybe they should have traded him. I don't know. I mean, that would have been a bit excess. And they wouldn't have gotten that much for him just because of his age and his lack of productivity in the past couple of years. But Seattle would take him for sure if he was just sitting there for free. Maybe San Jose would give them a pick to say don't take Burns, which they'd have to give up a, lo- a lot. Maybe even a first to tell them to get them to not take Burns. From Minnesota, they would take Matt Dumba. And you may be wondering why Minnesota would give him up. That's because Jonas Brodine has a no-move clause. Ryan Suter has a no-move clause. And Jared Spurgeon has a no-move clause. So that's three guys that are already protected on the blue line, and they need to have to protect seven forwards. So Matt Dumba would be available in that case. From the Carolina Hurricanes, they would take Brady Shea. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, they would take TJ Brody. And you would think, well, why wouldn't the Leafs protect Riley Muzzin Brody on the blue line? Because I would protect Justin Hall, who is who you have for a couple more years than Brody. Or no, sorry. Hall's contract is up after this season, and Brody's is up in 2024. But Brody's making $5 million. Hall is making just under $2 million. And Hall's almost better than Brody. And he's played great with Jake Muzzin this year. Um, Mike Morgan Riley, he could do without TJ Brody. The Leafs could try sending another budget guy in free agency, um, maybe for less than five million. But they'd have to see what's available. Maybe they could, if Tyson Berry's available, they can try getting him back as he's done spectacular this year in Edmonton. <clears throat> I've been talking a lot. Um, Marcus Pedersen is who they'd select from the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had to leave a couple of good D-men available, like Brian Dumlin or Mike Matheson and Marcus Pedersen. I protected Matheson and left Dumlin available since Dumlin's just a few years older. But yeah, they took Pedersen. Pedersen hasn't done much this year in Pittsburgh. He's making over $4 million. But a guy who's only 25 years old like that, Seattle will probably love to have Marcus Pedersen. Um, so... They could have taken Jeff Carter, Jason Zucker, or Casey DeSmith, but they already have a pretty good solid goaltending core with the three they took. And there was more to take than Pittsburgh than DeSmith with the other three with the other three teams. That really wasn't the case. Um, from Anaheim, they take Kevin Shattenkirk, and that's just because uh, Anaheim doesn't really want that guy. They have other guys to prioritize over him when protecting. Montreal, they take Brett. Kul- Montreal, they take Brett Kulak. Um, that was just really overall because he was a better choice than Joel Edmondson. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets would take Dean Kukan. Um, I mean, there wasn't really much to choose from in Columbus. Although Kukan and Gavrikov, those two are really just... Who do you really take? Neither one of them are really that relevant. But Whatever. Scott Mayfield is who they'd take from the Islanders. I don't know. There wasn't really much to choose from in New York, to be honest. But I just gave them Scott Mayfield. I don't think they'll end up with a very good player to there because Sorokin is exempt from protecting guys. So they won't get a goaltender since Varlamov is the only one that is the one that they protect. So the only guy available, it's nobody really that relevant. From Winnipeg, they'd take Nathan Beaulieu. There wasn't much to pick from in Winnipeg either. That's the only reason they ended up with Beaulieu. And he was cheap too. From Buffalo, they take Henry Yokoharu. He's a restricted free agent, but he's only 21 years old and he's got a bright future. And Buffalo just had some prospects they had to protect before him. And from Edmonton, they take Caleb Jones, 
who he's only 23. He'll be a pretty good defenseman one day. Not pretty good, but, you know, he'll be a top four guy. Then that brings us to forwards, top 15. I don't know if you want to... I'm not, I don't have, like, projected lines or anything for these guys. You can do that yourself if you want. If you want to go back to the start and listen to these guys, write them down, make your own lines. I don't know. Make a game out of it. It's up to you. I'm not making lines out of this because you can't do that on this website that I used. It's called catfriendly.com. It's a very fun website. You can do a lot um, with hockey contracts and other hockey things. I don't know. It's fun. Try it out sometime. Um, so forwards from Nashville, they take Ryan Johansson, and that's really one of their, their biggest forward. He'd be their top centerman. He's only 28. The only reason Nashville left him unprotected is because he's making $8 million, and so is Matt Duchesne. So Nashville got the pick between those two guys, really, because that really takes up a lot of cat room, and I think they protect Duchesne way before they protected Johansson. Um, from Boston, Jake DeBrusque. He has really not been loved in Boston. He's been scratched a lot this year. And I don't know. Jake DeBrusque, they'd, I think they'd almost guaranteed leave him unprotected since they just simply don't use him. They've put guys like Trent Frederick ahead of him. I mean, when you start doing that, you definitely want him out of there. And I think that's the reason he's almost guaranteed to be out of Boston. It could have been him or Halak. The only thing is, is Yaroslav Halak is an unrestricted free agent this offseason. So is Tuka Rask. But they kind of, you, when you're Boston, you kind of have to protect Rask and hope you can re-sign him. From the Devils, I don't know. There was one forward you kind of... You had to leave one of the forwards unprotected. Maybe Andreas Janssen, maybe Miles Wood. I left Andreas Janssen, so they could have picked between him or P.K. Subban. And since Subban is old... Well, not old, but he's older now than he was when he was good. And he doesn't really do much. And for the lack of productivity he's coming up with, he's making $9 million. And that pretty much sums up why they're not going to get him. Um, they'll take Andreas Johnson instead of good young forward. I hate to insult the Subban fans from when he was in Montreal, but he's not good anymore. When he was in Montreal, he was good, but they had to trade him away because he was cuckoo. St. Louis, they take Oscar Sunkfest. Not much available here. Colorado, Valerie Nishushkin. Philadelphia, Scott Lawton. Arizona, Lawson Krause. Kingston Frontenac fans may remember him. Los Angeles Kings, Austin Wagner. Chicago, Brandon Hagel. Detroit, Evgeny Sveshnikov. Ottawa, Logan Brown. New York, Rangers, Brett Howden. Calgary, Dylan Dubé. That was instead of Mark Giordano, just to keep them under the cap. And Dubé's a great player, too. I'd rather have him than Giordano, just because of Giordano's age. Then from Tampa Bay, Matthew Joseph. And finally, from the Washington Capitals, Connor Sherry. So... Their defense is really good. Maybe they could trade a couple of those guys to get forwards. I don't know what they do. They have five restrictive free agents up front. That's what I didn't like about what I did, but I had to pick somebody. They also had Henry Yokoharu, who was restricted, and Chris Drieger, UFA. They'd have to hope they can re-sign him if they do take him just because there's nothing else to take from Florida. Um, that's it for the expansion draft. The April jobs report in the United States... It was projected to have 1 million jobs. And since the Biden administration got in, there's been a lot of job growth recovering from COVID. But then in April, instead of the projected 1 million added jobs, it was 266,000, which everybody was like, what? Like when you watch CNBC, that's NBC's business channel pretty much. 
the guy was looking at that, and he was, like, stunned at what he's looking at. He's like, hang on, I'll refresh my thing here, just double-check on this website. He thought there was, like, a glitch on his screen or something. Like, I don't know, it was pretty shocking. Everybody's saying Joe Biden was comparable to FDR after he took him, got America out of the Great Depression. I think he's a bit more like Jimmy Carter, and a lot of people use that comparison after I did. I did use it before people on news channels did, although I did hear it quite a bit after I did say it, but I did not copy a news channel. I came up with that myself before news channels started saying it. I mean, they were probably saying it. I just hadn't watched somebody say it when I had said it. Anyway, we're going to get a quick message from our sponsors here. We will be right back. And there's your beautiful baby. Any day now. Really? You're eating Doritos? He's eating Doritos on my ultrasound. Do you see what I have to do? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Give me that. I don't know what Doritos was thinking. They gave us such a bad commercial that you so had to see to understand. You just heard a bunch of screaming after 10 seconds of silence. That made no sense. Go watch it on YouTube. It's their Super Bowl 50 ad for Doritos. Thanks for listening to our seventh episode of the Dylan Farley Podcast. We really appreciate it. You can tweet me at the Dylan F Podcast, or you can message me via Instagram at the Dylan F Podcast, or email me the Dylan Farley Podcast at Outlook.com. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, recommendations, requests, um, or if you want to be on the show, even we'll figure that one out. A few people have wanted to come on so far. We haven't really been able to fit you in yet, but if you have message. We're going to try to get something going here on an episode where we don't have much to discuss. Um, But yeah, so stay tuned if you do get a hold of me and those that already have. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time here on the Dylan Farley Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Doritos, our sponsor for today's episode.
up to you. No.